Well, God, I pray that that would just be our prayer, that God, in the midst of everything that we are going through, in the midst of the trials and circumstances, as we get to celebrate uh, the passion of our Savior, the fact that you this week went to the cross, and you went to the cross willingly and obediently, knowing that you would suffer, you would bleed, and you would die as a result of the sins that we carry and the burdens that we bear. But God, you chose to bear them. And God, in the midst of your death, we know that we are offered life and life more abundantly, that we can have a relationship with you because of your son and his sacrifice. But God, I thank you for the fact that this week we also celebrate the fact that you did not stay dead, that Jesus was not trapped in the grave. He was not somebody who died and never was, uh, was were heard from again, but God, that we got the last laugh, that we got the to, the, the, to celebrate the fact that we serve a risen Savior. So Father, I pray today that you would speak to us, that our, our, our hearts would be uh, broken by the truth, that we would understand your word, that in the midst of what we are facing and the struggles that we go through, that we would understand the grace and mercy you have for us as a result of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 13. We're going to be continuing our look at the king and his kingdom, and uh, as we do this, I want to encourage you uh, to, to be reading along. If you've noticed anything about Matthew chapter 13, you have the parable of the sower, then you have the parable of the weeds, and we're going to jump into where we're going to be at today. I'm actually skipping one, uh, no reason other than to, to, to get to where we want to be or where I'd like to see us uh, be as we do this, but if you Remember last week we talked about the parable of the sower and we talked about the four different types of, of soil that go on, but the reality was that the, the soil needs to be fertile in order to accept the seed and there's all kinds of things. There were three areas that we, or three, three types of soil that didn't really accept the seed. There was the, the, the path, there was the rocky soil, there was the soil that, that uh, was choked out uh, as a result of, of the weeds and then we have uh, the good soil and then this week, we're going to be looking at the parable of mustard seed in the east. Now, in between those two is the parable of the weeds. And what you'll see is the parable of the weeds is, is ex, or not explained, it's, it's, it's mentioned by Jesus. Then after the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, then he explains the parable of the weeds. But I want to dig in. We're going to look at this and begin to see what's going on. Because all throughout the Bible, we see God working to establish his kingdom and man attempting to build their own kingdom. As a matter of fact, we still in this sense of, of, of our own lives are in the same way. We attempt to build our own kingdom at times instead of working to establish God's kingdom here on earth. And so with Jesus' birth and his ministry, he begins to usher in this kingdom of God to men. But listen, it's not yet completed. All right, you're going to hear this, and I said it the first week, it's an already but not yet. In other words, when Jesus was born, he begins to establish his kingdom as he starts to teach and, and do his ministry. You see more of his kingdom being established as Jesus dies. There's more established as, as Jesus goes to heaven. There's more established, but yet, guess what? It's not what? It's not finished. It's not yet. Why? Because Christ hasn't come back, and that's the point when he says, I will finally establish my kingdom at that point when I come back. And so we have to understand it's an already, but not yet. When he talks about the established kingdom or establishing the kingdom, it's an already, but not yet. In other words, it is here. 
The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. And you got to remember, Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven rather than the kingdom of God because he's speaking to Jewish people who never wanted to misuse the name of God or take the Lord's name in vain. And so they would never say it. So Matthew writing this explains that. And so with Jesus' birth and his ministry, he begins to usher in this kingdom of an already and not yet. And so our goal during this series is to just get a glimpse of the kingdom Jesus ushered in and the kingdom he teaches us about in Matthew. We have to begin to understand that. He's ushering it in. We need to see a glimpse of it. And then as a result of seeing that glimpse, we want to see a glimpse of who Jesus is and what he teaches us about in that. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be in verse 31 and we're going to start off there. And I do want to let you know, I forgot to mention this at the start. I hate segueing in this. Tuesday night, five o'clock, we're going to have a work night here. Um, we've been trying to work weekends. Weekends have been crazy for most people. But Tuesday night, 5 o'clock, from about 5 to 7, 7.30, we're going to try and get some stuff cleaned up. We've got a number of things um, that we, we want to get done. So if you have some time off, come up, be ready, be prepared. We're going to get some, some stuff cleaned up, moved around, shifted, and, and set up. And I want to encourage you, church, as we do this, not only do we have Easter next week, but the following week is our association meeting that's going to be up here. Um, And I want to encourage you to be a part of it. It's going to be a great opportunity for you to see what's going on around Kansas City with church plants, with with multi-ethnic groups. We've got groups from Burundi. We've got uh, Hispanic church plants, and and, uh, there's a number of them. There's all kinds of of churches that are going on around the the, the Kansas City area that the SBC is involved in, the Missouri Baptist Convention is involved in, and we are as well. And so we want to encourage you to be uh, a part of that uh, as we go through this. So our goal during the series, though, we said, was to learn about or get a glimpse of the kingdom of, that Jesus ushered in and the kingdom he teaches us about. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 31, <clears throat> starting in verse 13, you have to forgive me, I have bronchitis again. I never had bronchitis till Christmas, uh, and I got diagnosed again on Wednesday with bronchitis. Um, the doctor apparently told me it's fairly normal. Once you get bronchitis, you get it easier Every time, it's getting annoying. Um, I hate my cough, um, so you just have to deal with it. I'm sorry. I've, I, I, if, if you hate it, imagine how much more I hate it because I'm actually doing it. So uh, Matthew 13, starting in verse 31, and listen to what Jesus says. He tells them this. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a what? A mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. And he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables, and he did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And what we have to begin to understand is that Jesus is trying to communicate an eternal message uh, through an earthly teaching. He's trying to communicate a heavenly message through an earthly teaching. And what we're going to see as we begin to unpack or unpack really this stuff is that we can see how the kingdom of God works in and through Uh, or how God works in and through his kingdom. And so we begin to see this by this very simple thing. Small things, have you ever noticed how small things can have a large effect? Anybody ever gone to a pond or a lake that's smooth? Now, being a boy, 
You don't look for the smallest stone, do you? What do you do? You're like, girl, I'm going to find the biggest sucker I'm going to throw in there. And you throw it out as far as you can. And what happens? The splash, there's a big, huge splash. And then there's the ripple effect, right? And then you start to see the ripples go across the water. Now, I'm not even talking about that, but you can do even with a simple thing as small as a small pebble. One of the things we used to do when I was growing up, we had our grandparents' cabin up in the mountains and the, the pond, we called the reservoir, would be smooth as glass. And I know this is going to sound demented. This is, this is boys for you. But we would catch grasshoppers. And then we'd take one of the legs and you'd rip it off the grasshopper. And then we'd take that grasshopper and you'd throw it out in the middle of the pond. Anybody know where I'm going with this? Yeah, because yeah, here goes the grasshopper. Kick. Kick. And you'd see this little ripple. And it'd go out. And then after a little bit, all said, fish would come up. Grasshopper's gone. That little grasshopper made the biggest difference in the lives of boys because we could entertain ourselves for hours by feeding fish with grasshoppers. But what I want you to see is this. The little ripple effect that that made led to life for somebody else, something else. And what you begin to see here as we dig into this is that small things can have large effects, whether it's a small pebble, a simple grasshopper, something very small can have a large effect on everything around it. And so that's the lesson in these two parables that we're going to dig in and see. We have to begin to understand that there's a lot going on that Jesus is talking about, but he's trying to teach us a very simple message. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, sometimes you can become so enamored with it that you try and get to some big, deep theological truth when the reality is he's trying to teach you something very simple through an earthly message. And the simple thing is this, that the kingdom of God may have started off small, it may have started off insignificant, it may have started in a a way that was never expected, but what he wants you to understand, what he wants me to understand, what he wants all of us to understand is that the kingdom of God may have started off small, but it's going to have a massive effect across the world, across the globe, and across history. You begin to understand that the kingdom of God is something that is not insignificant, but is something that is very significant. It is something that is very powerful, something that is very effective. And so we begin to see that there's a lot going on that Jesus is talking about. And you have to understand this, that the disciples, listen, the disciples, matter of fact, we were talking about this a little bit this morning. The disciples believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Am I correct? They believed it, but listen to this part. Because we talked about this, the king and his kingdom. When Jesus came, Jesus turns everything upside down. They expected somebody who was going to come in with massive power, with all kinds of authority, who's going to wipe the Romans off the face of the earth. They expected somebody who, when when they faced their enemy, they were going to wipe out, Jesus was going to wipe out the enemy. And instead, what happens? Jesus steps into the ring and he says, hey, here's what's going to happen. Instead of wiping them out, they're going to kill me. Now, imagine if you're the disciple of Jesus, you're like, yeah, we're a part of this kingdom thing. We're going to establish the rule and reign of the kingdom here on earth. And Jesus, the guy who's supposed to initiate it, goes, yeah, they're going to kill me. Now, what do you start to do? Oh, wait a second. This isn't the kingdom I was thinking about. Like I was thinking like in some way, shape, or form, I was going to be Jesus' right-hand man. We're going we're gonna, 
We're going to show the Romans who's boss. We're going to show the Jewish leaders. We're going to show those Pharisees and Sadducees who's in control. And the reality is what we see in Matthew over and over and over again in in the Gospel of Matthew, as well as Mark and Luke, really, is this idea that Jesus flips everything upside down. You have heard that that you can uh, love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but Jesus tells you what? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He completely flips everything upside down. That's why if you notice, I don't know if anybody's even paid attention. Anybody notice the slide? What city is it? Oh, yeah, it is. It's Kansas City. But it's what? Yeah, yeah, big time upside down. Because the idea is not the kingdom that we think. The idea is that the kingdom that Jesus came to establish is completely flipped upside down compared to what everybody else expects. And so as we dig into this, as we understand this, we have to begin to understand the cost. As the, as the resistance and the rejectors grew, instead of Jesus talking about what he was going to do to them, or yeah, to do to them, he begins talking about what they're going to do to him. He talks about how they're gonna kill him. They're gonna torture him. He's gonna be hung on the cross. And then Jesus, listen, and, and this is what we even just sang with Hosanna. Then Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey. Coats are laid out, palm branches laid in front. The people begin to chant Hosanna, which is what we just sang. Hosanna in the highest. Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They start to chant that. And all the disciples can think is, yes, this is the establishment of the kingdom. This is the establishment of the kingdom. This is the establishment of the kingdom. Kingdom's gonna grow. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to the cross. Wait, what? We just saw you march in like a king. We saw the people acknowledging who you are. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. They're, they're acknowledging you as the Messiah. They're, they're, they're calling out all kinds of things. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to the cross. And so the king and his kingdom, when we think about it, is a growing kingdom. It's a kingdom that is expanding. And so he, he does this and he, he unloads it. But then in Matthew chapter 13, he gives them seven parables. And in these seven parables, he explains this kingdom, this earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he starts with the parable of the sower, then he goes to the parable of the weeds, then we have the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. He explains the weeds, then the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl, and the parable of the net. And as we begin to unpack that, Jesus begins to show what the kingdom is actually going to be like. It's going to be something different. It's not what you expected. As a matter of fact, he begins to show that this, this first parable, the parable of soils, talks basically about the extent of the kingdom. How broad is the kingdom? How wide is it going to be? The seed is sown in the field, and the field is the what? The world. And there's going to be good soil, and there's going to be bad soil. The second parable talks about the length of the kingdom. In other words, how long is it going to be? As a matter of fact, we'll, we'll dig into that later. But the parable of the weeds, it literally explains this. Look, there's this, par- there's this, this truth. There was seed that was planted. It begins to grow up. As it grows up, the evil one comes and he casts seed in there that is weeds. And the weeds start to grow. And the disciples are like, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus says, leave it alone. Why do you leave it alone? Because at the end, at the judgment, when I come back, the angels will separate the good from the bad. And here's the story. The length is this. We don't know the time. We don't know the date. But what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to still be in the world with the weeds. You get the picture? 
It's not your responsibility to pull the weeds. It's not your responsibility to do any of that. It's your responsibility to be the wheat, to be the very thing that you are planted to be. And so it talks about the length. There's this length issue that goes on. And the third parable, which is the one we're going to talk about, the parable of the mustard seed, talks about the height of the kingdom. And I love how this is going because we're talking about the, the, the width or the breadth of it. We're talking about the, the length of it. We're talking about the height of it. And then the fourth parable, the 11, talks about the, the depth of the kingdom as it is hidden in the dough and influences from within. Now, what does that remind you of? And I hope you would think about it like this. And I pray, this is Ephesians chapter three, verse 18. This is what Paul says. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, listen, to grasp how long, or sorry, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What we begin to see in this simple thing with the kingdom is this reality, that the love of God is wide, it's long, it's high, and it's deep. And so he's starting to paint this picture so that we can understand the kingdom, that the kingdom is wide. He is casting seed everywhere. And remember, the son of man is the one who casts seed. And he is casting seed everywhere. And some's gonna fall on the the path and some's gonna fall on the rocky soil and some's gonna be choked out by the cares of the world, the weeds of the world. And we have to begin to understand that some's gonna fall on good soil. And that good soil is gonna lead to a growth, a harvest. That's That's the width of God's love. That he doesn't care what you've gone through. He doesn't care what you've been in the past. That Jesus says, I have loved you with an unfailing love. That regardless of the sins you have, regardless of what you carry, I still died for you. Whether you even choose to believe it or not, doesn't matter because I still died. And so he lays this out. The width of his love. The length of his love. Listen. When we talk about the parable of the weeds and it says, don't worry, don't pull the weeds, there's a reason why. Why is there a reason? Because it says the Lord is patient, not wanting any to perish, but everybody to come to an acknowledgement of who the Savior is. So the king and his kingdom is something that when we sit back and go, God, why are you tearing? Why are you waiting so long? What's the big deal? You have to begin to understand the width and the length of God's love and how far he was willing to go to communicate that. And so he lays that out. And then we get to the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. And we get to see the height and the depth of the love of God. See, your job and my job is to keep being wheat, to keep being what we were planted in the middle of the weeds so that we can influence them. You ever thought about that? Our job is to be the wheat. We're not the harvesters. You guys get that, right? We're not the harvesters. We're not the one who harvests the wheat. We're not the ones who harvest the weeds. We're not the ones who are gonna throw the weeds in to to be burned or be thrown out. We are the ones who are called to be the wheat. And so here's the big picture. Here's the key statement. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven started small, 
but it will grow as we influence others with the light of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven started small, but it will grow when we influence or as we influence others with the light of the gospel. That's what's communicated out. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate here in the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. And we begin to understand. We begin to see how the kingdom plays out bigger and better as a result of Jesus being in charge and not us. When we focus on building God's kingdom and not our kingdom. And so here's what I just simply want to do. I don't have a question today, but I want to talk about the expansion of the kingdom, and then we're going to talk about the influence of the kingdom. In other words, how we influence others. And so you have to understand this, that parables tell us a story using something the hearers would have seen every day. Okay? It Jesus is telling a story using something that the people would have seen most likely every day. A mustard plant was actually fairly common, and it helps us understand a spiritual truth that we can't see with our own eyes necessarily. And so what you're going to hear is this, and this is what we talked about. Number one is the expansion of the kingdom. How does the kingdom expand? How does it grow? What happens? What's the result? And listen, that's where we jump in. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Here's what we begin to understand. A mustard seed... Anybody know the size of a mustard seed? Good, I'll tell you. A mustard seed is about the size of the pinhead of a needle. It's tiny. Now, when I think of seeds, and I know this is, you know, I'm not into gardening and all that stuff, but when I think of seeds, I always think of things like bulbs. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody's planting bulb flowers, you know, whatever they are. I don't even know what bulbs are. So I'm not even going to try and name the flowers. But I know what the bulbs are. I don't know what kind of flowers come from it. But listen, bulbs are huge, are they not? But yet, have you ever looked at the flowers? Don't get me wrong, they're beautiful, but how big do they get? They're not very big, are they? It's not really super impressive. You're like, dude, that massive seed, that massive bulb only produces something that big. Now, granted, they come back every year, but it's only that big. And yet I think about a simple seed. As a matter of fact, last year, our daughters came home uh, from school with these packets, and I can't remember what they were called, but they, the, these tiny packets, bunch of little seeds, I mean, super tiny seeds. And I planted them in our, our we've got like a, a, a garden pot out front on our porch. And they went, I mean, filled up everything. They were everywhere. Now, it wasn't huge, but... For the size of the seeds compared to what they became, it's like, holy cow, how did that become so much? So listen to what Jesus is trying to communicate, because we have to begin to understand. A mustard seed is about the size of the pinhead, but in the right climate and setting can grow into a large, bushy tree. As a matter of fact, I read some things that said, as high as there are mustard trees that grew around that area because of the fertile soil and stuff, that would grow between 12 and 15 foot high. Enough where there's even a thing that says there were some men who could climb into the mustard tree and it could hold up a full-grown adult. Now, we got a dogwood tree, okay? Our dogwood tree is probably about 12 feet high, roughly, guessing, and there's no way I'm climbing up in it. I'm telling you that right now. 
these branches are puny, thin, would never hold me, let alone anybody who's even just a little bit bigger than me. But the idea of the mustard seed is this, that it grew large, it grew in a great climate in a setting where it could grow into a large bushy tree. And listen to what Jesus is trying to say, the kingdom of heaven. This is the idea of God's rule over the earth. It is a program for building his church during the time in which we live. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is a lot like a mustard seed. When that mustard seed is planted, it's gonna grow in a way that is massive, it has massive effect. It has massive influence on what's going on. It's going to provide shelter. It's going to provide shade. It's going to provide uh, spices, mustard for the, the animals and everything else. There is something taking place here that Jesus is trying to communicate for us to see. And that is something small and in insignificant can have such a great impact. It can provide protection and it can provide shelter. And that's exactly what he's trying to say the kingdom does. The kingdom, even though when it started was small and insignificant, is now going to be something that is powerful and influential. As a matter of fact, as a pastor, I kind of felt guilty about this as I was reading and studying. A lot of times we'll, pastors compare, well, I'm a, you know, our, our, our typical attendance is 150, and well, ours is 400, and I'm like, oh, ours is like 65, you know? But here's the deal, and this is where I felt guilty as I was studying. When Jesus started this, how many disciples were there? There was 12. But when he starts talking, there was really about 120. And that's not just one church, that was everybody. And so sometimes we may feel insignificant, sometimes we may feel ineffective, sometimes we may feel overwhelmed, and Jesus says, that's all right because we got you right where we want you. Why? Because when you have the faith of a mustard seed, listen to this part, when you have the simple faith of his mustard seed, what can you do? You can tell a mountain to move, and it'll move, because your faith is what produces the effects of the kingdom in other people's lives. It's what produces the effects of God in your life. Your faith in Christ, first and foremost, is what leads you to that point. And so small beginnings, very small beginnings to a large increase in the growth of the kingdom. Imagine the simple fact of 120 believers that's led us to this point today. 120 has led us to this point today where we have churches all around the world, not just the United States, not just Canada, but all around the world. There are churches that got done probably about 12 hours ago in Africa celebrating under a tree in Uganda. There are churches in India that are meeting or had already met. There are churches, matter of fact, one of my buddies that I met not too long ago here is now a pastor of a church over in Korea. And on, uh, on Wednesday when it was my birthday, or sorry, on Thursday night, my birthday was Friday, on Thursday night, he responded on Facebook, said, hey, happy birthday. And my mother-in-law goes, it's not his birthday yet. And I went, well, technically it is where he lives because he's in Korea, you know? And so they're so far ahead of us. But those are churches that are a part of this group. And listen, it starts off small, as small as a mustard seed, and blossoms and grows into this massive kingdom that God's going to use in a great way to let people see what's going on, to let people see the love of Christ. See, the kingdom won't grow if the seed isn't planted, is it? 
If the mustard seed sits on the shelf in a jar, is the mustard seed ever going to grow? No. Listen again to what he says. It's just like the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. What is Jesus saying? When you plant the kingdom of heaven, when you plant the kingdom of God in your life, when you take in and begin to follow him, you put your faith and trust in Christ, you begin to grow and understand what's going on, he begins to teach you. He says it's just like that. The simple faith, the simple faith of you planting the mustard seed leads to an expansive growth. The influence that you can ever begin to imagine what would happen. Listen, from small, insignificant, and at times annoying beginnings through persecution, through violence and rejection, the kingdom of heaven is advancing and growing bigger and bigger every day. A matter of fact, it's growing bigger and bigger in the most persecuted areas. And what Jesus is trying to lay this out is, look, you have to understand that it's just like the parable of the mustard seed. Faith. As small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. From here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate. And so it starts with a small, little, tiny group, and before all is said and done, it will cover the entire world, and that's what he begins to unpack. That's what he begins to show. And listen to what he says in verse 32. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. One of the things I read about this week was, as it was talking about it, there were people who said, well, the birds represent evil. They're trying to steal the the seeds of the mustard. But the other thing I read was this, that the birds are almost representative of the Gentiles who are now accepted into the kingdom of God and they fly in for shelter and safety and sanctification, which is what they needed. That Jesus opens the kingdom to not just the Jewish people, not the Israelites, but to all people. And so what he begins to show is this, that the very simple faith of the mustard seed leads to an expansion of the kingdom beyond one group of individuals, beyond one nation, but open to everybody. And so the king and his kingdom, starting with the parable of the mustard seed and then moving into the parable of the leaven. And listen to what he says in verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now what we got to see is this. Number one we saw was the expansion of the kingdom. In other words, the growth, the height that it's growing to. The the, the kingdom is growing. It's going to be massive. It's going to be uncontrollable. It's going to be unstoppable. But now I want you to begin to see the influence of the kingdom. How the kingdom influences people. How do we influence people in there? Because listen to what happens. As a matter of fact, your Bible may say something like this. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three large amounts, or three uh, satas is what some of them are, and it says a large amount of flour until it worked through the dough. Here's what we see from this text, is that those three portions would be or would lead to an unconceivable amount of bread. It's a massive amount. 
Matter of fact, there's a number of texts throughout Scripture that I'm, I'm not going to reference right now, but that, that, that talks about those three portions of bread. And so when she adds yeast to these three portions, she takes what is, anybody ever had unleavened bread? Dry, hard, tasteless, gross. Matter of fact, if you grew up, we, we don't use them here, but if you grew up in a typical Southern Baptist church back in the day, we had these little unleavened squares that when we would do the Lord's Supper, they taste like chalk. That's a good description. They taste like chalk. They're gross. They're absolutely disgusting. But listen to what happens. She takes a simple, small amount and mixes in, takes this leaven into a large amount of flour. And it becomes something even greater. And so that's the way the influence of the kingdom is. See, a little bit of leaven works its way into a massive amount of dough and makes a huge impact. Matter of fact, when I've gone and gotten yeast for my uh, wife when she's cooked things, I always look, I'm like, that, that packet's tiny. But it doesn't take much, does it? All right, I'm not a cook, so I can't really be like, yeah, well, you know... I just put a little bit of yeast and it goes, no, I don't, I don't know anything about it. But what I can tell you is this, that little bag of yeast or that little packet of yeast goes a long way. And the longer you let it rise, the better it becomes. And the beautiful thing about leaven and yeast is this, the bread tastes better, it's soft. Oh, there's nothing like fresh bread out of the oven, is there? And, and now everybody's checking out, you're like, go, go eat lunch. There's nothing like a fresh baked loaf of soft bread. And all it took was a little bit of leaven to work through it. A little bit of yeast makes the bread grow. It makes the bread taste. It gives the bread meaning. It gives a purpose. And listen, and it worked all throughout the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Here's what happens. In your life, when God is at work, he begins to work in and through you. And there's this internal thing that takes place that you grow from the inside out, that there's something that overtakes it and the leaven begins to work through it. Now, there were a number of things throughout scripture that the leaven talks about. Matter of fact, if you read uh, the gospel of Matthew for any sense of time, you're going to hear things like this. Jesus say, watch out for the yeast of the what? Pharisees. Now, what he's not saying is this. Don't worry about the kingdom of heaven yeast. What I'm talking about is watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. That's this false teaching that they were infiltrating. They were pushing in. Why? Because the yeast of the Pharisees leads to an inward idea that I'm good, that I'm okay. As a matter of fact, Jesus says at one point, he calls them whitewashed sepulchers. You, you guys are, are, are dirty tombs inside. You're not clean from the inside out. Why? Because you don't have the kingdom of heaven in you. You got your own kingdom. You got your own agenda, your own teaching, your own thought process. And what Jesus begins to do to show the influence of the kingdom is he talks about it being leavened. He's talking about it being yeast. And as followers of Christ, as we're obedient to the teachings of Jesus Christ, then we influence people with the gospel and the kingdom grows. So here's how it works. You and I are leavened. You get that picture? and I are leaven. That means leaven has to be involved with what? 
It has to be mixed in with what? It's got to be mixed in with water, but what's it got to be mixed in with? The dough. The rest of the bread. And if there's no leaven mixed in with the dough, the bread's going to be flat, dry, and nasty. But when the leaven is mixed in with the dough, the influence of the individuals, the influence of the yeast causes everything else to be what? Better. Listen to me, and this is why Jesus is big on this part. Jesus did not call the church to exit the world. If he did, then when you accepted Christ as your savior, he would say, that's it, fine, we're done, gone. Jesus needs the church to live out the kingdom of God on a daily basis and be the leaven within society to change the bread of the world. Do you understand that picture? Do you see what's going on? Jesus did not call us to remove the weeds, but to live among the weeds. Jesus is also saying, hey, I need you to be the leaven amongst the bread so that the leaven can make a difference in the world. Here's the reality what we need. We need more Christians who are gonna lead out and not be followers. We need more Christians who are gonna say, I'm willing to do what it takes, wherever it takes me, to see people come to Christ. I'm willing to work twice as hard as everybody else so that I can see the kingdom expand Why? Because that's the leaven that the people need. Christians can't withdraw from society. Christians have to be planted in society. Matter of fact, if you remember the video at the start, he said he used to look at basketball as a problem. I did this in college. I remember when God, I felt like God was calling me to ministry. I'm like, God, I'll give up baseball. If that's what you want, I'll give it up. I'm done. I won't have any fun, you know, kind of mentality. He said, no, the problem is you just got the wrong priority. Use baseball. Use baseball to expand your domain, to expand the relationships that you have so that you can preach the gospel to somebody who's never heard. Matter of fact, Sunday nights, Tonight at four o'clock, I'll be out on the softball field telling you right now. I hang out with these guys, rough and tumble crowd, love them. Matter of fact, sometimes I'm a little bit more comfortable around them than other preachers. Um, so, sorry. <laughs> but, but listen to me. That's the expansion of the domain. That's the yeast working in with the rest of the bread, the dough so that you can build them up, so that you can encourage them, so that you can preach the gospel to them, so that you can show them the hope of the kingdom. That's exactly what Jesus is laying out. See, the influence of the kingdom works from the inside out. You will have no impact and no effect if you have no relationship with or no connection with lost people. It's just not gonna happen. You have to have those connections and relationships. And listen, Nothing can stop. This is what we have to begin to understand. Nothing can stop the growth or the expansion of the kingdom. We may not be able to see the growth. We may not be able to see the expansion of the kingdom, but the world may have been, or sorry, the word may have been planted in someone's heart and time reveals an unexpected result. You don't know the effect you have in somebody's life until later. Matter of fact, can I tell you one of the biggest things, one of the most difficult things about being a pastor It's the fact that a lot of times you don't see benefits right away. 
And I'm not talking finding out. I'm talking about you don't see the growth necessarily right away in individuals. It's two, three, four, five, 10, 12, 15, 20 years. When people all of a sudden come back and go, man, you know what? That, that's what I needed. It's one of the hardest things. I mean, seriously. Like I can go to work and, and when I get a bunch of stuff done, I'm like, man, I feel accomplished. But I can come to work at the church and when I come to work at the church, I work and work and work and then I look and I go, man, did I accomplish anything? Now, that's a flaw that the pastors have, all right? So you just have to get over that. And I have to get over it because that's one of the biggest struggles. But listen, we don't, you and I don't know the impact we can have on other people's lives, do we? Until the end. That's the role the leaven plays throughout. So we may not always see the results of our fruits and labor, but we must continue to persevere with the gospel to see the kingdom grow. Matter of fact, I want to leave you with this, and this is how we're going to wrap up. Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations so they can see the truth and the light that is in Christ, that they can see the hope that is in Christ, that they're, regardless of what kind of past, regardless of what kind of history you got, there is hope for you, there's life for you, there's light for you. And so Jesus says, look, I'm patient, not wanting anyone to perish. My love is long. I cast seed everywhere, regardless of what goes on. I'm not gonna pull up the weeds. Why? Because I love people just because of who they are. I created them. And he says the kingdom is just like leaven. And you can have a greater impact when the leaven is mixed in with the rest of the, the dough than if the leaven sits on a jar. Remember, the mustard seed had to be planted in order to grow the leaven has to be what? It has to be mixed in. If the leaven's not mixed in, there is no expansion. There's no influence. And as a result, the kingdom doesn't grow. And so my encouragement to you this week is to ask yourself this. Have I planted that mustard seed? And am I being leavened? God, would you make me leaven? Would you make me somebody who's influenced or influences others for the kingdom of God? Because that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to build his kingdom. Remember, the upside-down kingdom, the kingdom that we don't ever expect because we expected it a certain way. But Jesus is in the, he's in the mode, he's in the method, he's building his kingdom. And we can be a part of it or we're not. Father, we thank you <clears throat> for the simple truth of these parables. Earthly stories that would have a heavenly meaning, that would explain the truth behind what you are trying to communicate. That, God, we can have an impact, that your kingdom is expanding. And, God, may we begin to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ is for all of those around us. 
And as a result of that height and width and depth and, and, and of that love, God, may we begin to understand that we need to be leavened. We need to work ourselves into and around with unbelievers, with people who don't uh, have any faith or belief in Christ. And so, God, I pray that we would be able to make an influence we would be able to be a difference in this world, that we can stand for the morally right, biblically directed purposes in our lives, and that you could have a great impact and a great effect, that as we live out obedient lives to you, God, you would change the hearts of the people we're around. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me close with